In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, on God, Amen. Maybe some of you are anxious how long my sermon will be, so I said let me speak to you about anxiety. <laughs> Seriously, I will speak about anxiety, but not for this reason. But, but yeah, I noticed that many people suffer from anxiety. Some of them actually, it turned to be panic attack and they need to get some medicine. And for apparently no reason or no serious cause. Of course, I understand anxiety as medical illness, but I'm speaking about just people who worry too much and that's why they become anxious. Uh, and I, I see the number is growing, especially people in high school, college, or graduate, the number is growing. Uh, that's why actually Matthew chapter 6, starting from verse uh, 25, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us eight reasons why we should not be anxious. And I want you just to understand these reasons and try to digest them and live by them. Because anyone who suffers from worrying or is just getting anxious, he will find in these eight reasons actually a good therapy, a good treatment for his anxiety. If actually he reads this chapter and digested, understand it very well, and apply it in his life. So, the first reason, we read it in verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and body more than clothing? So the first reason the Lord said life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. What does this mean? What does this mean? Actually, our life cannot be sustained without food. And the body will freeze without clothes especially in cold weather. But when the Lord said life and body are more than uh, food and clothes, what he means by this? He means that our life and our body more than physical life. More than physical life. As if the Lord is saying, don't be anxious about your soul, and your body because those who might take away your food and your clothing and even cause your death cannot take your real life of the resurrected body that's why the Lord in another passage told us don't worry or don't be afraid from those who kill the body after this we cannot do anything. So our life 
is more than food. Our life extended to eternal life. And our body is more than clothes because God will clothe us with the glorified body in the eternal life. So Christ, the, the first reason why you should not be anxious, you should know that Christ is immortal. Christ rose from the dead. For us to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even if we die, this is not the end of our life. There is a better life waiting for us. Uh, so, as if the Lord is saying, there is something worse than death, physical death. This is what you should worry about if you are going to lose your eternal life. But as long as you are abiding in Christ and you are living the resurrection with Christ, don't worry, don't be anxious. Your life is more than just food and your body is more just than clothing. You have eternal life. The second reason we find it in uh, verse 26. He told us, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So the second reason the Lord is telling us, you are more more valuable than the birds. And these birds, God feeds them. So here the, the argument of the second reason has two important premises. The first premise is God is so completely in control control of natural universe that he is in control of feeding the bird of the earth if you look at the bird they may actually eat one berry from here or take insect from the earth or worm they pull it from the ground actually it is God who provides this berry or this insect or this wool. So God in control. God feeds the bird. He is the one who provides food for the bird. That's the first premise. The second premise, you are of more value to God than they. God values you and he is committed to you than to the birds. God purchased you not with silver or gold or precious stone. He purchased you by his own blood. And God the Father did not spare his son, but he gave him on the cross to die for us. That's how much God loved you. 
that's how value, valuable, valuable you are to God. Actually, we will turn this into glorification and thanksgiving. The birds, they don't have the intellect or the mind actually to pray to God or glorify God. And in spite of this, God feeds the birds and takes care of the birds. You are more valuable. And if God is in control, then you should not worry. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, we read, Cast all your worries on him. All your worries, cast them on, on God. For he cares for you. It is a fact that God cares for you. Don't be anxious. The third reason in verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So this actually is a very simple argument. An anxiety does no good, will not help you. An anxiety accomplishes nothing. It doesn't help you. So, when you start anxious and you start worrying, say to yourself, I will accomplish nothing by this anxiety. Actually, it will hurt you. It actually will prevent you from planning properly and achieving your goal day uh, after day. So anxiety will not accomplish anything. Rather, it will make the situation more difficult for you. So listen to the words of the Lord and say to yourself, I will not be anxious. I will cast all my anxiety and all my worries on the Lord. I know he actually uh, cares about me. Refuse and reject to be controlled by this useless emotion called anxiety. It's useless emotion. Do your part, leave the rest to God. The fourth reason, we read it in verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil, nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you or you of little faith? So how this point is different from feeding the bird. Yes, they are, these two points look similar, but actually they are different. Here the focus that these lilies that God clothes and take care of them last only for how many? One day. For how long? How, one day. But you are eternal. You are eternal. So, the point here is not just you are more valuable than the bird, but the point here that you are eternal. 
If God cares about the grass and the lilies that last for one day, and God clothes them more beautifully than King Solomon. So here actually the beautiful truth for us that God definitely will care about you because you're eternal. And also I want you to notice the point that we just mentioned, how God actually is in control. Even the grass, the color of the grass, God determined how long it will live. God will determine. So God actually is taking care of even this trivial points that we may not notice. How many of us notice all the, the lilies of the field or all the flowers of the grass? But God did not just set natural law and put them in motion and then he is not doing anything. No. God actually is in control. See he, how in, in, in verse 8, uh, God so close the grass of the field. So God in action, he is active. He's not, he did not just set some rules and that it. He is active. So if God is so involved in the life of the grass and the flower, which last for one day, they are like vapor, then shall he not care for us, his children, who are eternal? That's why he told us, oh, you of little faith. Yes. An anxiety is a trust issue. An anxiety is a faith issue. If you believe in God, if you trust God, you will not be anxious. Trust your Heavenly Father and He will take care of you. Number five, fifth reason. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So, an anxiety can be understood for the non-believers because they don't believe in God who takes care of them. They don't have history of 7,000 years how God actually took care of his people. Even those who were martyred, even those who were persecuted, even those who suffered great tribulation like Job, how God took care of each one of them. So I can understand if an unbeliever actually has an anxiety. But we, the believers, we should not. That's why he said, after all these things, Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And you have 7,000 years of history, God with man, how God provided for his people, how God took care of his people. So the argument here, if you are anxious, you are like the world. This is what people do who do not know God. Be careful, lest you say, but this argument is weak. Because an anxiety is like a monster 
that attack all of us, not only the non-believers, but even the believers. But I want to tell you that these words are the words of God himself. So, if God said you should not worry like the non-believers, you have a heavenly father who is taking care of you, you need to trust his words. And actually, he, in this point, he said, your heavenly father knows. So there are three things here. God for us is a father. And one of the responsibility of the father to take care of his children. And the other thing, actually, he is heavenly. And since he is heavenly, not earthly, then he has control over the earth. And the third point, he knows. He knows your need. And since he knows your need, he will provide for your needs. If an earthly father neglected his children, the first thing we say, he's not a father. But if this difficult to believe about earthly father, definitely it is impossible for our heavenly fathers. And this actually is the sixth point. Your heavenly fathers knows what you need. So number five, to be anxious, then you are like the non-believers. Number six, don't worry because your heavenly fathers knows that you need all, all these things. Uh, <clears throat> so as I told you, father means he loves you. You are on his heart as he's a child. And heavenly means he is in control of earth. Nothing on earth can stop him from doing good to you. Nothing. And he actually knows what is good for you. He has wisdom to meet all your needs. He is powerful to provide for all your needs. Number seven, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, the seven reason God wants you to be righteous. So God will supply everything you need to do his will and his righteousness. Like parents who want their children to excel in their school. So literally, they will say to their children, don't worry, don't worry about anything. We will provide for all your needs. Just focus on your study. Pay attention to your study. You don't have to work. We will pay your loan. Just focus on your study. In the same way, God wants us to be righteous. He told us, focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That I want you to focus on. And don't worry. All these things I will provide for you because I want you to be distracted by these things. I want you just to focus on one goal, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the argument here is God will supply everything you need to do his will and your righteousness. 
So you will not have any excuse. You cannot stand at the last day and tell him, I was distracted by the worries of the world. God will tell you, no, I promised you to provide. You yourself choose choose distraction more than choosing me. So, yes, God did not promise us a life here on earth with no troubles. Actually, he said to the disciples, some of you will be beaten up, some of you will be imprisoned, some of you, you will be killed. But in Romans chapter 8, St. Paul told us that famine, nakedness, will not separate us from the love of Christ. And he told us, in all these things, we'll be more than conquerors through God who loved us. So, yes, we will have tribulations, and we will have difficulties, and we'll have a hard time here on earth. But during all these things, God is with us, and he will help us to endure. So, I want to make it clear, God did not guarantee to us physical comfort in this world. He did not guarantee that we will live until his second coming, no death. But he told us that in every trial, in every tribulation you will face, I will be with you, I will support you, I will provide to you what will give you peace so you will not be anxious. That's why we saw the three young men in the Old Testament singing and chanting in the furnace of fire. We see Peter sleeping deep sleep in the prison and on the following day he was actually, the plan was to be killed. Uh, We saw Paul and and Silas uh, chanting and singing in the prison. How come? How come? Because God actually, they were seeking God and his righteousness. And God promised them to give them peace that surpasses all understanding. The last point, number eight, he told us, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Again, God, in his economy, he did not overload one day with trouble more than what we can endure. God, in his economy, did not and does not overload one day with many troubles that we cannot endure. But sometimes when we worry about the morrow, we overburden ourselves. So, as if God is telling us, each day has its appointed amount of troubles. And this is God planned for us. He knew what we can endure. So, here the advice in verse 34, don't reach into tomorrow and brings its trouble into today. So, God's love will not end today. God's love extends until tomorrow and after tomorrow, until the last breath of our life and eternal life. 
His mercies never come to an end. As we read in Lamentation chapter 3, His mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is great every morning. So why do you worry about the morrow? Each day has its own troubles. And God actually does miracles with us every day. So don't bring the worries of tomorrow to today. Trust Him. Trust that God will be with you tomorrow. So when tomorrow comes, you will be actually able to handle it. So these eight points that God gave us, He is telling us, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, And I don't want my children to have this anxiety. Don't worry because your life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Don't worry because you are more valuable than the birds that I feed. Don't worry because anxiety accomplishes nothing. Don't worry because the grass and lilies that I close last for one day, but you are eternal. Don't worry because anxiety is the illness of the non-believers, but you are a believer. Don't worry because your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Don't worry because God will supply everything you need to do his will and his righteousness. Focus on this, doing God's will and his righteousness. And the last point, God does not overload any day with trouble. So now we understood these eight reasons. Maybe you will say, but I need a practical spiritual exercise. How, what should I do leaving from here? Now I understand the reasons why I should not worry. So practically, what can I do? I am fighting anxieties. One of the best verses in the, in the Bible, actually from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. So, St. Paul is telling us, be anxious for nothing. Don't let anything make you worry. Don't let anything make you worry. Be anxious for nothing. What about the list that I have that I worry about? I have a long list of worry. What should I do about this? He told us, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, sometimes when uh, there is an issue I need to address, so I write it in, in my notes. And when I, I see Abuna, I tell Abuna, this family needs this help. This person needs visitation from you. And once I say it to Abuna, actually I cross it from my note. Because I trust Abuna. I trust that Abuna will take care of it. So, in a way, I don't worry about it anymore. I give it to Abuna, and Abuna will take care of it. So there is no need to worry about it. That's what St. Paul is asking us to do here. Bring this list. Instead of worrying about them, give them to God. If we trust one another, if we trust us, ourselves as human beings, should not we trust God? Let your requests be made known to God. Yes, do your part. 
But then in prayer, with thanksgiving and supplication, let your request be made, to, uh, be made known to God. And St. Paul was very specific when he said these three things, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. I'm sure you know uh, the five different types of prayer. St. Paul mentioned three of them, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. The other two types is intercession and uh, praises. Uh, Supplication, when I make a request, God help me with this. Prayer is just communication. When I say, how lovely your courts, O Lord of hosts. That's prayer, just communication. I'm not asking anything. Thanksgiving, when I thank God for something, I thank you for doing this for me. Praise, when I praise God for who he is. For example, when I say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It's not thanksgiving. It's praise. I'm praising the Lord. And intercession when I pray for somebody else. St. Paul here, he chose three types. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. So when your requests are made known to God, don't focus only on supplication. God, I need this, I need this, I need this. You know, even if you go to somebody to ask him for a favor, you don't go and jump and tell him, here's what I want, one, two, three, four, five. Actually, you start with communication. How are you doing? It's nice to see you. So start your prayer with God, with communication. Then put your supplication, your requests, and then give thanks to him. That's exactly what we do with one another. And if I, if I need a favor from you, I will come, and at the beginning, I will have some communication with you in order not to perceive me just I'm a selfish person coming, asking for uh, what I need. And then I will give you my request and I will end by thanking you in advance that you will take care of this request. That's why St. Paul told us, use the same with God. Don't just stand before God and tell him, I need so and so and so and so. I'm worried about this and this. No, no, no. Through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what will happen? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. The Lord told us, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, so I do. So actually, the peace of God is totally different than the peace of the world. When God comforts us, it's totally different when we comfort one another. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It is heavenly peace. It's not earthly peace. It is something you cannot comprehend with your mind. That's why he said, surpasses all understanding. And when people are anxious, usually they say, either I have headache or I have uptightness here in my chest. That's why he said, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. Saint, uh, Hannah, mother of Samuel, experienced this peace. She was very upset from that she doesn't have children. And the other wife uh, was actually, Fanina, was um, 
reproaching her because she is barren and doesn't have any children. She went to her husband. Her husband could not comfort her. Uh, so at the end, she decided to go to the temple, to God, to let her requests made known to God. And after she finished her, her prayer, she had this peace that surpasses all understanding. To the extent, while she was leaving the temple, the, the priest, Ali, the priest, saw her, and he thought she was drunk, and rebuked her, assuming she is drunk. I am sure if you are here in prayer and leaving the church, and somebody tell, t- tells you you are drunk, you will be angry. But these words from the priest did not hurt her. You know why? Because the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And she explained to him that she is coming asking God to help her. And God actually did not appear to her. He did not tell her, you will have a son and the son will be great. He didn't like what happened with St. Mary or Elizabeth. No, he did not. But she left with this peace that God actually granted her. And the rest of the story, she went back to her house. Her face was not altered like before. And she started to eat and drink with the family, although before she was refraining from eating and drinking. Again, be anxious over nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.